Welcome to episode five of Teacher Talk with Zach Clancy. I'm Zach Clancy. Each week, I'll be discussing a topic in education that I think will be interesting to people in general and helpful for K-12 teachers and educators. So, as most listeners probably know, we are approaching the end of the school year, and as you can imagine, things are getting busy. I also have like two weeks to go in my college semester, so needless to say, I'm sort of busy and feeling kind of burnt out. So with that said, this week's episode is going to be one of the short format episodes that I described in episode two. So what that means is instead of talking about a person and their contribution to education, I'm going to be talking about a concept in education and sharing my thoughts about it with you. This week's topic is multimodal literacy. I know that's a mouthful, and it can sound sort of intimidating, but I think it's a concept that listeners will be able to wrap their heads around. So hopefully people will find this podcast helpful, and either way, I hope people reach out to me on Facebook at Teacher Talk with Zach Clancy, or on Twitter at Teacher Talk WZC, that's the words teacher and talk, and the letters WZC, or at teachertalkwzc at gmail.com to let me know what they think about this week's episode. But before we move on to multimodal literacy, it's time for the collaboration corner. This week's shout out goes to an organization that needs no shout out for me, but I'm doing it anyway. It's BAM Radio Network. According to their website, BAM Radio is the largest education radio network in the world, offering programming from the nation's top education organizations and thought leaders and reaching a wide audience of people passionately committed to quality education. But what distinguishes BAM Radio Network are the people involved. Their on-air hosts are the executive directors of the most respected education associations in the country, Their guests are the leading experts, advocates, and journalists in education, and their programming is produced by an Emmy-winning team. Simply said, they have assembled the best talent they could secure in an effort to be your most valued and reliable source of information and insight. I've looked into joining this organization, and I'll probably be moving forward with that process once the semester's over. Anyway, that's BAM Radio Network. You can check them out at bamradionetwork.com. All right, so just as a quick explanation, multimodality is a way of making meaning that allows for the usage of different modes or methods. Uh, And that sounds kind of vague, but I think once I give you an example, it'll probably make a little bit more sense. Anyway, um, an example of that would be making a clay sculpture or constructing a diorama or another type of scale model as some form of communication. Those are examples of multimodality. Um, And multimodal literacy is literacy teaching and learning that takes account of all those different kinds of modes that we just talked about 
that exist within texts, texts of all kinds. Um, so using a podcast to teach would be an example of multimodal literacy. So like I said, multimodal literacy is something that many listeners are probably familiar with in a non-academic domain. Uh, in other words, it's something that they, you, know, you see in parts of society that exist outside of school. So according to Digital Life Place Narratives, which is a blog about multimodal learning that I'll link to in the show notes, multimodal literacy, quote, are works that use more than just words and letters to communicate a thought. They may include audio, video, photographs, drawings, basically any visual element used to supplement the text in some purposeful way. When multimodal te texts are viewed, analyzed, and created in the composition classroom, students and instructors are engaging in multimodal composition. So podcasts, blogs, collages, video or audio essays, comic strips, and storyboards all fall under the category of multimodal composition assignments, unquote. The types of media that are in the word cloud that I included with this episode are also examples of multimodal compositions. So the blog goes on to say that, quote, multimodal assignments can help our students develop visual and digital literacy, which is key in a world where new technologies are constantly emerging. Our students are already interacting in digital contexts that require multimodal writing. By assigning multimodal projects, we prepare our students to effectively communicate in these contexts. Unquote. To a certain extent, how familiar you are with the concept of multimodal literacy could be related to your age. What I'm trying to say is that it's sort of a generational thing. Um, millennials are, in general, more likely to be familiar with the concept. So recently, some undergrad students showed me a mobile phone application called Snapchat. And for the listeners who aren't familiar with it, Snapchat allows people to take a picture with the camera on their phone and they can then superimpose text and colorful drawings over the picture before sending it to one or multiple friends, provided that they also have the mobile app on their phone. And the interesting thing about these images is that they're ephemeral, they're fleeting. The creator of the images decides how long their image will be visible on the recipient's phone. Um, and it has a maximum display time of 10 seconds. So written texts as a product are a result of decisions that, quote, reflect choices that someone has made about content and show how designs have an important part to play in the message of the text. And that is according to Powell and Roswell, Rosewell, who I will also uh, provide a reference for in the show notes. But anyway, so the same can be said of multimodal literacies. Design plays an important role. You know, and it's important to consider 
this because this type of digital literacy, like I mentioned earlier, seems to be generational. You know, younger people seem to prefer to communicate in multimodal ways. And for that reason, it seems understandable to believe that these types of literacies are going to become more common and more dominant in the 21st century. You know, I'd argue that digital literacy is a skill people will need in the years to come. And therefore, educators uh, have, you know, a reason to teach digital literacies to their students. You know, just as an example, the other day, like, I, I caught my middle school special ed students just doing this for fun. You know, they printed a picture of a cartoon character from the uh, animated TV show Dragon Ball Z. And anyway, the way it printed, the character's feet were not on the picture. So they took the printed picture minus feet, and each one of my students had a copy of this picture, and they both drew their own feet on it. They customized it, they colored it in according to their own artistic vision. And then they took a picture of it with their cell phone, and they used this app called Collage Creator Pro um, to upload these two images next to each other to make a collage. And then they uploaded the collage onto social media, and you know, they were like, you know, vote A if you like the one on the left, vote B if you want on the right. You know, have, have friends vote for the favorite. And, you know, at the same time, while they were doing that, while they had that digital one kind of competing, they were also, they had their hard copy, and they were, you know, kind of making touch-ups touch to it as they went along. Um, you know, they just kept adding stuff and improving on it. And I thought it was really interesting. And um, when I asked them about it, they said it was not their first time doing it. So, like I said, in the past week or so, I've discussed the concept of multimodal literacy with my middle school students. Um, I've also discussed it with my undergrad students and with my fellow doctoral candidates. And it's interesting, I've noticed that it's kind of one of those things that I talk about in different ways depending on the crowd. You know, so with the people in my doctoral program, I use the term multimodal literacies. And when we talk about it, it tends to be like fairly abstract and academic and dry. You know, whereas on the other end of that spectrum, with my middle schoolers, I don't use the term multimodal literacies at all. Um, and the discussion is decidedly less abstract. You know, it relies on concrete examples. We're referencing things like the, the drawing of the cartoon character that I was just talking about. And so, you know, with my undergrads, it, it lies somewhere in the middle. You know, I often use the term multimedia instead of multimodal. Um, I know it's less accurate, but I feel like it's more approachable. And the discussion is partially abstract and partially concrete. And, you know, I, I feel like a lot of that just kind of has to do with the image I want to project, right? You know, I feel like among my doctoral candidates, uh, multimodal literacies are something that young people do. Whereas, you know, for middle schoolers, it's the way the world's always been. And for my undergrads, it's somewhere in between. And so, you know, I feel like to my middle schoolers, I want to project the image of being the hip teacher who knows what's popular. So for them, I don't even necessarily give it a name. I just kind of talk about it as it's like what kids do. Um, you know, and to uh, my undergrads, I want to be an instructor who knows what's popular and, you know, how to ac academically contextualize it. Um, and so, you know, I feel like that approach works well for that. You know, whereas... Uh, with 
the people in my doctoral candidate, you know, um, I am the youngest person in that, that cohort, in that batch of people in the program, and I am also fairly certain I am the token millennial, um, you know, so I feel like in that context, you know, I want to appear learned and mature, so I approach it as something that is abstract and academic, even though I know absolutely what it is, you know, like I send Snapchats to like my girlfriend and my friends all the time. So anyway, that's kind of uh, multimodal literacies in a nutshell. I feel like, you know, there are some pros and cons. The pros are there are, you know, more ways to communicate. It is the way the world is. Just It's the way that people communicate outside of school. And it, for people under 30, for millennials, they seem to enjoy it, if not prefer it. But, you know, it's not without its, its weaknesses. It can be more subjective. You know, you do have to read into it a little bit more. But there are plenty of works, plenty of texts that um, are subjective and you need to read into them to understand. One of the other uh, weaknesses of it is there are issues of accessibility as you know, it incorporates audio and it also incorporates colored imagery, which, you know, can be a barrier to people who have hearing issues or who are colorblind. But I would say with those, you know, few weaknesses aside, overall, that multimodal literacies are something that are really cool. They're something that teachers should definitely be teaching to students, and they're things that are going to be here to stay. So anyway, that's all the time we have for now. I look forward to hearing your feedback about this episode. What do you think about multimodal literacy? Do you have any experience using it as a teaching tool? What about using it in places outside of school? Any suggestions for future episodes? Send your answers my way, along with any other questions or comments you might have, to teachertalkwzc at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at teachertalkwzc and Facebook at teachertalk with Zach Clancy. That's all for this week's show. I'm Zach Clancy. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.